You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today we're going to be talking about, uh, well, we are going to be talking about entrepreneurship. We are going to be talking about leadership, but I got a feeling this one's going to ramble a little bit, so bear with us. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be informative. I'm real excited to introduce my guest today. His name is Igal Adato, and Igal, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me, Doug. And uh, just real quick, uh, dive in. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, heritage in your name there. Yeah, so it's a Hebrew name. Uh, I was born in Istanbul, Turkey. Uh, my grandfather's name was Yahiel. And we have this custom of naming kids after grandparents. And my parents were like, I'm not going to do that to my kid. <laughs> so, they, right? so they went with the Y. It's still very unique. Um, and that's why the name Egal came about. Yeah, I love it. Uh, that's really neat. And uh, where are you located now? San Diego, California. San Diego, beautiful yeah. San Diego. Oh, I love that town. And then another uh, another time, I've got a great I've got a great airplane story about San Diego, but uh, it's not here nor there. Uh, so, as is custom on my show here, I like to ask my guests to get share with us a little bit of your kind of background story, journey, and how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, I'll do it really quickly so we can get into the meat of the topic. I went from a rock star. I was on stages. I was a singer, was in Woodstock 99. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll rephrase it. I was a broke rock star. And <laughs> and my brother opened up a pawn shop. And we're third generation pawnbrokers. Went to go work with him. We partnered together. Grew the business incredibly well. I got married. And two things happened that kind of woke me up. One was my wife sat me down at seven months and said, hey, Gal, I didn't get married to be alone. Nice house, nice car. Go figure this thing out or we're done. And the week after, my father, who is my entrepreneurial mentor, incredible businessman, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia at 59 years old. Wow. And when I saw what my father was going through, and seeing this whole conversation about, hey, I'm going to make money today to be able to go on vacation later and spend time with your mom later and my grandkids later. And when I saw that six caregivers couldn't wipe his own butt, sorry for saying it, I knew things had to change. And that's when I actually took my leadership development that was from way back in the day when I was in a youth group, brought it into my business, reformatted it, taught it embraced it and our business grew and really helped my life tremendously as well. And so today that's what I do. You know, that's, uh, well, first off, uh, uh, tremendous story and, and sad about your dad's situation, but you're right. I think so many people work very, very hard for many, many years saying, well, tomorrow will be this, tomorrow will be that. And, and, Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I mean, that's if I know anything, and I've been around the block a few more times, not not that that's significant, but I, I've certainly seen enough other people in my own life that have had that same kind of journey that, that tomorrow just didn't really happen. So 
we we've really got to live today for today and and try to make the best out of that and um i'm i'm curious as you were describing that talk a little bit more about some of the leadership principles that you thought you could bring forward and and reformat and refocus on to apply to your business yeah i'll say something to what you said if you don't mind yeah. which everybody says you know better late than never and with my father who passed away 2 years ago sometimes late is just too late. Yeah. And so it's like, start today, right? If you keep on pushing it off, you know, God forbid something might happen, uh, circumstances change, and then you sit there with regret and that's not what you want. So the, the real catalyst was when that, when my wife sat me down and basically with tears in her eyes and she said, I didn't get married to be alone. Right. Looked at myself in the mirror and I asked myself, you go, first of all, I was angry. I was like, what are you talking about? nice house, nice car, vacations. What are you saying? And I looked at myself and I realized I was lying to myself. I was 40 pounds overweight. I had no connection with my, my new bride. Essentially, I was coming home from work late, falling asleep on the couch. Um, I was on autopilot at work. There was no momentum, no real mission, no growth. And I just realized that first and foremost, I needed clarity in my life. Like I needed to, to write down what's not working, what is it that I want? And so that's the first thing I did. And I think a lot of times in business, we're so in the rat race of things that we forget to just sit down and be like, what's not working? And we stress and there's overwhelm and you know, things are happening, but people don't take a break like the Formula One racers who go and get some gas and new tires and all that stuff. And they don't just sit down and take inventory of what's working, what's not. And that was the first thing I did. Yeah. It's so profound, really, is the word I can think of as you describe that. And it is such a challenge. It, on, on one hand, as we're sitting here talking about it, it sounds so incredibly simple. But guess what? Probably five in a hundred are good at doing that. Yeah. Without some kind of prompting, some kind of event that makes them stop and say, goodness, what, what is this about? And um, it, it sounds like it's fortunate you, you had the chance reasonably early in life to have that challenge put to you. Yeah. So one, I have a very intelligent wife who decided to call me out, right? That was the first thing. I give big props to my wife. The second is that my belief is that as leaders, we get locked up in different areas and times of our life. So before that, I was locked up. I call it locked up leadership. And my wife called me out. Uh, we had kids, very new world for me. Boom, I get locked up again. And I've got to take inventory once again, what's working, what's not, what needs to change. My father passes away two years ago. Boom, again, locked up. What needs to change? What's working? What's not? What do I want in my life? And after getting that clarity, Doug, the that's kind of the, the easy part is when you sit down, and you're like, well, what's not working? Well, this isn't working. What do I want? This is what I want. There's two steps after that, that I think are a little bit harder, but when you think about it and you put it together, that's where the magic happens. It's having the courage to write down, what do I need to do? And then having the commitment of getting it done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really quickly, a quick story. I was uh, in my Muay Thai kickboxing class yesterday and I saw a woman walk in with her eight month old baby 
sat it in the room where we're all working out and she took the hour class. The baby was in the car seat. We were all looking after the baby, but guess what? No excuses. And when you've got that level of commitment, that's when things change in your life. I had the almost identical experience in a, in a gym that I participated in several years ago. The owner and his wife happened to have had their first baby while this gym had just opened. It, it was it was having a very good opening success, and so there was a lot of a big following and a, a good group of people. But as soon as the baby was old enough to leave the house in the car seat, that that baby was there like three times a week. <laughs> Probably had more muscle than the other people in the and, gym. And right? We had the we had the music going, and and everybody. You're right. Everybody took turns. You know, and it's like if the baby needed something, mom and dad could keep working out, and somebody was happy to pick him up, change a diaper, feed him a bottle, you know, and, and uh, the kid's like six years old now. I've seen pictures of him. I haven't talked to the owner in a while, but, you know, it, uh, it, your point is be intentional and get it done. Yeah, and commit to it. A lot of times I have a saying, which is, you know, lack of consistency breeds insecurity. And as leaders in business and in our lives, whenever we're inconsistent, people look at us and the trust goes down. And so- if you say something, be in integrity and get it done. Stay committed. And if you don't want to do it, just be like, it's not what I want, which is fine. But stop promising yourself that it's going to happen and then not go through with it. Because what happens, Doug, what I've learned is your, your subconscious taxes it up as a failure. It's like, oh, didn't go to the gym today. Oh, didn't go again. So when you've got this idea to build a big business, open a new location, open a different office, your mind's like, wait a second, buddy. Let's go back uh, those 58 times where you said you, you were going to do it and didn't do it. Why don't we sit comfortably here, watch some Netflix and not get that goal done? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it, it is, it's a much more complex challenge, I believe. And, and we're sitting here um, really kind of getting to the core of it, I think, and it's important. And there are layers to this thing that we're talking about. Number one, let me just recap what I heard you say. The, the idea, first make the evaluation and say, you know, what works, what doesn't work. Let's make a change here. Let's do X. That's one thing, just to identify it. That's what I would call it, identifying the change you want to make. But then to your point, making the commitment to get there and committing the work to get it done requires what time and i can't tell you i'm i'm at a place in my own coaching practice i'll share this if one more prospective client calls me and says doug i really need your help i really need your help okay great what do you want what do you got going on and they'll describe everything and i'll say well what's the biggest thing you think you're up against oh it's time I think if one more person tells me they've got a problem with time, I think I'm going to just scream or something. I don't know. It's like, what I want to say is, do you hear yourself? I mean, and who's responsible for that? I will say this. I think that sometimes uh, one of my colleagues says it's like the brotherhood of the miserable. And what happens a lot of times is that they go around saying, oh, I just don't have time. And somebody is agreeing saying, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's really hard these days in life and you got the kids and, and the spouse and the business. It's really hard to do those things. As opposed to having someone be like, hey, why don't we cut the BS with this time stuff? Yeah. 
You know, what do you really want to focus on? Exactly. That's what it amounts to. Yeah. And because we have so many people patting us on the back saying it's okay to make excuses, it allows us to make more excuses. Yeah. Well, I, I'm talking with some folks right now, and I'm not going to give enough details to reveal who, who they are, but let's just say that they, they built a, a multi-million dollar business. They're, they have some true and real upside possibility to maybe 3X or 5X the business. And they called me to say, I, it's probably time I need to come in and give them some help. And six times in the introductory meeting, they said, we don't have time. And I'm like, <laughs> again, you know, well, what is it you really think you're going to do? If, if you're already maxed out, topped out, you've got your 24 hours in a day, totally consumed or your 86, 400 seconds, which 86,400 seconds, it's totally tapped out, totally consumed. Why are we talking? You're wasting my time talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, unless you can make that decision, make that choice and set the priority and, and go get it, you're not, nothing will change. Yeah. I work with a lot of uh, brick and mortar businesses. That's why my background is all the brick, all the brick stuff. And they give me the same thing. And what I tell them is, what can you offload that you shouldn't be doing? Right. The whole purpose of being a leader is to build a team so that the business is running. And, and I say this. Uh, I talk about this in terms of the Care Bear. Remember the Care Bears mm -hmm. from back in oh, the yeah. day? You know, if, if one Care Bear stared at the enemy, nothing happened. But if uh, a slew of the Care Bears do the Care Bear stare, they won. So if you're doing your own accounting, why? Go get a bookkeeper who's smarter than you, better at it, have them do it. Boom, offload that, buy back some time. If you're doing your HR, why? You didn't study that. Go offload that get your time back and move forward and find those team members. And, and we live in a world today where you can offload team members in all areas of the planet. And totally. so if you, if you want time, you can make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one key thing that is, is being implied here going all the way back to when you first started describing your challenge and your moment of change the whole idea of being a better leader starts with leading yourself and you can, you can fantasize, you can study, you can explore theory, leadership theory, management principles, all that stuff. But to really be an effective leader, you've got to start with yourself and, yeah. and whether that's your discipline at the gym or your discipline with your bank account or, or discipline with your time, uh, whatever it may be, you're you're not going to be the best leader you can be for your team if you're not making some of those individual decisions first. Yeah, I, I love that you brought this up because probably two weeks ago, I sat down and I was writing something and all I kept on writing was that traditional leadership development is broken. And it's broken because we're just teaching delegation, communication, one-on-one -on -one meetings, and we're rarely teaching, and this is what you're talking about, you know, how do you condition your body so you can walk in healthier? How do you condition your mind? You first. You lead you first before you can walk into a room and lead. I tell my clients this all the time. I say, leading with baggage is misleading. Mm -hmm. if, I like right? that. 
If I walk into my business and I've got all this baggage, I'm fighting with my spouse, I'm feeling lethargic, I ate like crap, uh, my money, I'm not even looking at my money as to what's going on. Uh, if I'm a spiritual person, I'm not connected that way. And you walk in and you want to motivate, inspire, and coach and lead, good luck. It's not going to happen for the long term. What will work for the long term is getting you to lead first. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, um, totally so important and often overlooked. And it, um, I like your idea. And, and I'm going to have to ponder that a little bit. The traditional leadership development is broken. Um, I'm, I can think of a half dozen reasons that I'll probably agree with you on that one. The, um, the, the thing that I think is a challenge is that some of the mainstream so-called leadership development programs that are out there have become very commoditized. It's uh, It feels like a Band-Aid fix, and it's like, okay, uh, a CEO looks out across his organization and says, I think my whole leadership team is dysfunctional. I'm going to send them to this school, or I'm going to put them through this program, or I'm going to hire a team of coaches for six months. And that's somehow supposed to miraculously change everything. And don't get me wrong, there can be good come from that. However, it has to start from the right place. Yeah. I did something called uh, 75 hard. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. No. So 75 hard is a mental, physical, I guess they don't call it a challenge, but two workouts a day, a gallon of water a day, read 10 pages, take a selfie, um, and you have to like follow a diet that you decide to do. And I failed at that like three or four times. It took me 108 days to finish the 75 days. What happened after 75 days? I went back to eating my sugar, stopped working out. And I look back and I'm like, it's not a long enough time frame to really change a habit. Right. And leadership is about the discipline that you spoke about and the habits that we create in ourselves so that others see us and say, wow, I want to be like Doug. Doug, what are you doing? Because you're walking in with a smile. Your relationship looks great. You're healthy. You're not eating the donuts that we put out, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the break room, whatever that is. That's where that starts as well. It's not just all this other stuff. And, and I just want to say something. I'm not against traditional leadership development because I think it's a start. So I'm like, okay. The, the owner has the right mindset, like, I've got to do something. But I think it's deeper than that. How do we help the person develop long-term and not just, like you said, six months, two days, three weeks, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So for me, you know, it took a long time for me <clears throat> to really transform into the leader I am today. And every day I'm working at it. I don't read a book and poof, I'm a leader. Right. No, no, you won't. And, and the reason it's hard like that is because effective leadership, number one, is a journey. It's not a final destination. There, there's not a perfect leader anywhere on the planet. That's Nowhere. for sure. Nowhere. <laughs> and I challenge anybody to show me somebody, and I'll bet you there's some dimension, some aspect that we could work on. Yeah. And for the individual, that, that's not an excuse, but it's a challenge to say, all right, strap on, I'm, I'm game. Let me look at what I am today as a leader, if, if I'm a leader at all. I might be a reasonably high-powered manager, but am I really a leader? Yeah. 
And if not, what can I do? What do I understand where, you know, how, what I have, I've been able to accomplish. And then let's look at what else we need to add to the game. Yeah. I love that. I also think that we've got to look at this as going to a specialist, right? So for many years, I was a people pleaser and I read the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert Glover. It's an incredible book. If you're a people pleaser, pick it up. Um, There's another book called The Disease to Please. Amazing book. And it was so detrimental to my growth as a leader that I just reached out to him. I'm like, yo, how much is coaching? Great. Let's rock it. Let's do this. Because if I didn't uh, surgically remove that part of me and really work on that, then I couldn't move forward in my leadership development. And so I think the, the biggest thing in leadership is like, what's not working? That's what I talk about, like what's not working. And just to make it easy on the listeners, there's four areas of life, we call it the focus four, that I, I look at every single day. The first one is connection, which is my relationships, right? What's going on there? The second one is my condition. Am I, am I healthy in my body? Third one is my currency, my money personally, professionally. And the last one is my conviction, my inner strength, whatever that is for you. You know, if it's that, if that's your spirituality, your confidence, whatever that is. So every day I take, I look at these things, I write them down. I'm like, what's happening here? How do I make it better? So instead of making a to-do list of got to call the bank, I've got to make more sales, got to lead generate, whatever that is. I say, how do I connect with my wife more? What am I doing today to be healthier? What's going on with my money? And then Am I connecting to my conviction? And then I write my to-do list. And I think that makes it easier to be able to have that growth and development. Yeah. I, I think that's a great framework. It, it, it is so powerful to have a tool like that that gives you that specific structure to what you're trying to accomplish. And then you can use that as the backdrop for all the other work that has to be done in between whatever your business may be about or whatever your relationships may be about. And I think it comes back to the the basic principle. And I challenge people like this. I use the simple question, how do you want to show up as a leader? Can you define the leader you want to be? Can, can you explain that? And if you can't, that's one of the first steps is to spend some time stopping pondering, studying, meditating, searching, whatever, to put a definition on that. Yeah. I I have three daughters, seven, four, and she'll be two in November. And I think about to my I think I think to myself, how do I show up for them? Am I a good father? Do are they going to speak to me and trust in me? And when I think about my leadership, it's and by the way, they're my they're the best leadership teachers ever because they don't care if I sold a dollar today or a million dollars. They want me to show up and be present. They want me to smile. They want me to have fun with them. They want me to be able to be healthy enough to pick them up and play. And so when I look at it as how I'm showing up, first and foremost, it's how do I show up at home, right? With my wife, with my kids. And then I look at it as how am I showing up to my team and my clients? And if you can show up at home powerfully, and being present, then you could show up everywhere else. You know, my my father, 180 employees at one point, uh, 12 stores, 
multi-million dollar company. And I can remember as a kid, Doug, I didn't care what watch he wore, what car he drove. I wanted him to be home to play. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I can lead at home effectively, you talked about effective leadership, then doing it at work is going to be way, I'm not going to say easier, is going to be a, a better battle, essentially, because it's never easy. Yeah. So look at that. If you're a leader and you're like, okay, I want to go lead at work and I'm a manager, first take into account like, well, what's happening at home? And then go from there. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, Egal, we need to take a uh, short commercial break and we're going to do that right now. And folks, to hang with us. We've got a lot more to unpack for you in the second half. So look forward to uh, being right back after this short note. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, your host, and today I'm leading, uh, leading, <laughs> yeah, I hope we're leading something. Uh, we're sharing about leadership uh, with Egal Adato, and um, we, we've we had a, if you're just now picking this up and hadn't heard the first half, you need to go hit the rewind button. A lot of good stuff here, and one of the things right before we went on break, we were talking about the whole idea of as a leader, how do we show up for our families, show up at home, show up um, in that world? I'm reminded, Egal, of um, uh, an HR professional that I worked with. And when I was in uh, my part of my banking career, she was a very wise lady. And, and to this day, she, she's now turned executive coach and she's a good friend of mine. We still get together frequently. She had an observation as an HR person. She said that some may say it's impertinent or even illegal to ask personal questions about home life and family life. She said, but I want to know what people have going on at home because it's the whole person that comes to work. And if they've got some baggage or some disconnect or some dysfunction going on at home, there's no way they're going to be 100% the person we need them to be here at work. So, um, and, and there was a moment in life when, when we all kind of, she would preach that in, in leadership meetings and we would all kind of go, it's none of our business what they got going on at home. But man, I tell you over the years, the more I've thought about that and it comes back to me fairly frequently, that is the truth. I mean, if, if somebody's hiding a behavior, if, if they've got a gap, they've, they've got a, uh, an area that needs work at home in a personal life, you cannot stand up as an effective leader, plain and simple. I'll say that out loud. Say it from the rooftops, my friend. Um, I agree with you. And let's talk about how do you create that culture of being able to uh, assist or help your team without asking those questions. I'm from California. We have some of the strictest HR laws and rules. It's ridiculous. It's insane, but it is what it is. How did I do it with my team members? If we go back to the focus four, 
I know that in my organization, somebody is dealing with lack of connection in their family and their spouse, money issues, condition issues, and conviction issues. So what did we do as a small company? Uh, agree with him or not, we brought in Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. And we taught our team members how to save some money, right? And so what happened? I had team members saying, Egal, I've never saved 5,000 bucks in my life and I finally did it. Or, oh my God, I finally was able to buy the car I've always wanted to buy. We brought in health and wellness experts to help them with their health and wellness. And one guy lost 120 pounds. Wow. Awesome. How do you think he feels about the company? And how do you think he, feel, he felt about us as leaders when we gave him that life transforming, you know, information. We didn't say who need, who here is fat and wants to lose weight or who's dealing with marriage issues. We said like, Hey, we're just going to put this into the company who'd like to sign up. And people signed up first book club that we ever did. We had people saying, I haven't read a book since high school. Thank you so much. And so you don't have to ask the questions essentially focused on a person, but you could say, Hey, I want you all as a group to be better. We're going to implement this. Who'd like to take advantage of it? Yeah. Great ideas and, and very, very profound way to do it. And I, I agree with you totally being able to offer those options to people. You know, companies are scrambling nowadays with uh, all the changes that came out of the pandemic and all the struggles that people have with uh, life choices that they're beginning to make now based on what they experienced during COVID, it, it is impacting the employment world and it is hard to retain a workforce and it is hard to um, attract good employees. And, and then once you attract them, it's hard to retain them. So being able to offer those kind of uh, opportunities is certainly a great way, I think, to, to really lock in with that. Yeah. I have, uh, Again, I tell my clients, when you grow people, you grow profits. Grow the people. How can you grow them, make them their best selves? They will make more money for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It It, it is an interesting. A lot of times entrepreneurs, they'll, especially the founder types that, you know, came out of the garage with this great idea. And again, no disrespect to those guys, because that's where a lot of our great ideas have happened, you know, but and they come into the work and then they, they, they get totally spun up focusing on the process or the product or the thing that they've created and want to get out there in the world. And when they realize it's going to take a team to really grow this thing and, and make it expand and, and reach more people, if they're not paying attention to the involvement of those people that need to be on your team and they need to be trusted members of the effort. You're right. It'll never grow, never, never get beyond a certain level. Yeah. hundred percent. And for me, when you think about when I, when we talk about business and entrepreneurship and I know a lot of people say this and it might be cliche, but you know, there's people involved. You as the leader have to know people. And if you don't know what makes people tick, if you don't know, if you're not studying the psychology of people or, you know, a lot of people use disc profiles and all, you know, all these other things. But if you just care about the business, and by the way, I do want to say something. I'm a capitalist. I believe in making money. I believe in growing big business. 
And the business is the baby. And nobody should be in the business if they're harming the baby. Absolutely not. They should be shared with a competitor, asked to leave if they're not putting in their effort. But you also have to put your part in developing them so they can develop the business with you. I agree with that. Good, good, uh, good sermonette there. <laughs> uh, and, and I think that is at, at the root of things. And, you know, if, if for some that are listening right now, they're saying, okay, Doug's lost it. This is all kind of woo woo and everything. Uh, no, it's not. I, I, I'm going to argue with you on that one. It's, I think it's hard reality that, that has to be addressed and it often doesn't get addressed well enough. People come in and, and, uh, there was once upon a time, I'm, I'm going to digress and tell a little bit of a story early in my development as a coach, I started out in the career transition world and, and many who have followed me know this story. 2008, we had the big recession. A lot of people lost their jobs and they were um, out in the unemployment line. I've created a nonprofit that would help people find new jobs, even in the bad market. And one of the big things I learned was that people did need to do some of that very internal work on who am I, why am I here, where am I going, you know, those kind of questions. And the, the method that we taught, and we coached over 4,500 people at this during this period of time, the method we taught them said, you can't even start writing a resume until you do all that other work, until you figure out, you redefine yourself. Okay, you lost your old job. You're not an engineer anymore. You're not a CPA. You're not a whatever, you know, who are you? And get a lock on that. And then you can really start shaping a direction on where you need to go. And um, one of the most critical challenges I had in the, as the people would come through our doors and sign on for these programs was those people that had the mindset of that's just the way I am. That's going to be the way I am. And there's nothing you can tell me that's going to make me change. Yeah. And boy, it, it, it's just downright sad to see somebody lock into a mindset like that. Yeah. I, I worked in uh, coaching for seven years, the pawn shop industry. And what they always said was, but we've always done it like that. I'm like, well, why are we on the phone then? If you don't have a problem, you should be making a lot of money and everything should be fine. No stress, everything is good. So the issue comes back to, and, and let's take it from the woo of people are thinking about that. Let's bring it to like down to the ground, I guess. The biggest issue that's happening in business today is lack of clarity. So we talked about having clarity in your life and that's great, that's amazing. The other aspect is lack of clarity when it comes to your business. And I'll give four areas where there's a lot of lack of clarity. There's a lot of lack of clarity in leadership. What's your mission, vision, and values? I'm sure you've had a lot of people on the show talk about that. What's the clarity in your marketing? Who are you speaking to? How are you speaking to them? What's the clarity in your strategies and your metrics? Are you clear on your numbers? Can you look at your numbers week by week and make educated and uh, focused moves depending on that? And then are you clear on your customer journey, right? Because if there's that lack of clarity, your team is kind of like crossed arms, like I'm going to show up and get my paycheck, but I have no idea what the hell's going on. All I know is that we need more sales. Yeah. How, how we're doing it? No clue. Yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. I use the phrase, a confused mind says no. Yep. 
And to say that with a little more positivity, what I describe to people is the idea that if you have done a reasonably good job selecting and hiring people to be on your team, those people want to do the right thing. But your challenge as a leader is to explain to them and show them and demonstrate and clarify what the right thing is. Because to your point, if you haven't given them that clarity, they are going to sit there with their arms crossed. And basically, I call it the frozen middle. It's not that they're going to go do something wrong. They don't want to do something wrong. Remember, they want to do something right. But if you haven't told them what right is, they're going to do nothing. And they'll do something right for the right person. Correct. Right? And so that's where that leadership comes in. That's where they see the person and they say like, wow, this, you know, and it's, it's not all about having it together, right? I've made mistakes. I've had, I've dealt with addictions. I've uh, screwed things up with my wife. Um, and you mentioned that before, we're not perfect as leaders. And knowing that, and if you kind of walk into the room, you know, pounding your chest saying, I'm the boss, I'm the leader, I know what's going on. A lot of people will not see you as the right person. They'll walk away or they'll just be quiet and they'll say no in their mind, like you said. So the biggest thing I think is, and it's not about being humble. It's just about being transparent to the point where people get to know who you are, what the mission is, and then they can walk beside you in that mission as opposed to just behind you or, you know, you having to crack the whip once in a while because some people do it that way and that sucks. Yeah. Very, very true, and it it is a um, it is a challenge as a leader to decide what your core value, mission, and vision may be. And I, I I do like to start with the values. You know, let's talk about what you value, and and some say, okay, well, you know, what did mom and dad teach me? You know, where, what's the basis? And I, and I say, yeah, absolutely. That's part of the fabric, but what else have you learned along the way that you embrace and you lock in on and and you do value? And, you know, oftentimes I, I go back to my earlier point when I talk about challenging people to define the leader they want to be. A lot of times when people start doing that work, I'll get lists like, well, I want to be trusted. I want to have integrity. I want to communicate well. I want to be empathetic. I want to be sensitive to my team. Uh, I want to be real. You know, I want to be transparent. And those are all different kinds of values that lay that foundation of leadership that help people really start to lock in. And if you as a leader can work on and perfect those things, again, you may identify with them, but you may agree, well, I've got to do some work to to really show up that way. Yeah. And let's let's use kind of a concept of, of coaching that people can use on themselves. When they write down, I want to be trusted, let's ask the question, say more about that. Why is that important to you? What's going to happen in this company when you're trusted more? Yeah. Right. Integrity. Say more about that. Why? Why does it matter? What difference is it going to make? And sometimes we forget, Doug, that we spend more time with the people in our company than we do at home. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if we don't build something that's incredible, why would anybody want to stay? I, I was talking with a uh, an entrepreneur and I also want to say something about entrepreneurship. We'll talk about that right after this. Um, 
Uh, we were talking about training his 106 managers. He's got 180 stores, big, big business. And he said, you know, Egal, every time I lose somebody, it costs me two times their, their yearly salary. So if you're able to chew on that, that if I don't build my leaders in my company, myself as a leader, and I'm losing people, and if you just do the math, it's costing you so much more than investing in them. Yeah. And now I'll say something, if, you, if I can, about entrepreneurship, and I, and I hope this doesn't uh, take this on a tangent or people don't dislike me because of this, but I, I can care less. A lot of people are in business, and for me, there's three levels of business. There's a lot of people call themselves entrepreneurs when they're not. And so I want to clarify this. There's tradespeople, right? You're a plumber, a pawnbroker, a doctor, whatever that is, and you're doing the work day in and day out. You don't really have a team. You're just doing the trade. Very respectable, respectful, respectable, congratulations. Next level, business owner. You start building a team. You're still very involved. You're growing. And then you start seeing that I've got to grow my leadership, my team's leadership. Awesome. And then you go to entrepreneur, which is the visionary who's built the team, who's running the business. And what you're actually doing, right, is being the coach, running the system like, a, like a, um, in the orchestra, what do they call the guy with the baton? Conductor. Conductor. Thank you yeah. so much. That's entrepreneurship, right? When you're actually on the outside conducting the business and you can do business without yourself in the business, that's what that is to me. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being a tradesman, a tradesman, a business owner or entrepreneur. It's just about being honest about where you are and what that next step is and how you get there. Yeah. I like that. And I like that metaphor. That's a, that's a real good progression to describe it. And, um, you know, often I reflect on, and I actually have a program I do that I, I call it from founder to CEO of taking people in as the creator of a business. And, and let's take your example. Maybe it's a tradesman that, you know, really top of the licensing, whatever their status is in grade level. And they say, you know, I see an opportunity. So I, I become the businessman. I hire some more guys like that and I get them working out in teams. And then pretty soon I become that entrepreneur. Even then there's the potential that that enterprise that you've built is going to keep going through phases of growth. And there's a requirement. One thing a, a friend of mine described is that entrepreneur, even as successful as they might be, will inevitably hit an invisible wall. And that's the difference between managing all that and being the orchestrated con conductor, but truly leading it. It's yeah. the difference between managing it and leading it. And there is an inevitable invisible wall that founders run into. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how smart they are, how intelligent they are about their service or their product. If they haven't turned the page and begun studying, thinking about leadership, they're not going to make that ultimate transition. Yeah. You know, I agree with you 100%. And it's, it's the flipping of the switch. It's admitting, I don't know. I don't know everything. And that's the hardest part. Like when I work with, with uh, business owners, 
you know, sometimes they'll cross their arms as I'm talking and they're kind of defensive and listening and it might take six months. And then it kind of pops like, wait a second, you want this to be easier for me while I make more money. And I'm like, Mazel tov. Yes, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> but yeah. all you want to do is sit behind the counter, sit behind the desk and keep, you know, running things this way that is just causing stress. Why would you do that? Why? I think it's because that's the way that we've been taught a lot. You know, we might have taken over a business from a family member, gone to school, and that's what we were taught. Our friends are this way. So when we see it a different way, it's hard to bring into our own lives. But when we do flip that switch, incredible things can happen. Well, here's one of the challenges that often does happen. And I saw this a lot in my banking days as owners would get to that level of growth and prosperity, there was, it wasn't uncommon for the company to get so big that the truth was the founder was not going to be capable of being the CEO. Yeah. So the smartest thing he needed to do was to go hire a CEO that was qualified to run it and take a seat on the board, you know, name yourself chairman or chairman emeritus. You can still be involved. You can still cast the vision and set the tone and spirit of things. But CEO means chief executive officer, execute on the business. The, the reality is the founder may not be that guy. Yeah. Oh, a lot of times it's not. And it's because they're not learning. They're not growing. And sometimes you just can't do that. There's a lot of people who can fix cars, right? right. Uh, might be doing oil change, change the tire, but something really breaks and they've got to go to a mechanic with more skills. And that's perfectly fine. Right. You know? And yes, it's your baby. Yes, you started it. Yes, it's your business. But the whole point of business is make money, have fun, and to be able to enjoy the time with do the loved ones and, and to do what you want to do. You know, my grandfather sat behind a counter at the pawn shops 14 hours a day. And did he enjoy it? Yes, but he was never home. Uh, he, he, he never really enjoyed the money that he made. And so we all looked at him like, what are you doing, grandpa? Like, why? Yeah. Why, why not have fun? Why not spend that time? And I always go back to family because it's extremely important for me. And so if you're listening to this and you're leading your company and it's growing, but you're not spending time with your kids, you're not seeing them grow, take a beat. Look what's, ha look what's happening. Is that actually what you want? And then make a move from there. Yeah, I love it. And I think that's a good point to wrap this up on, Egal. I think this has been powerful stuff and I appreciate you sharing and coming on. Tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in connecting and, and learning more. Yeah, so I am the only... Egaladado on social media. So if you want to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, just at Egaladado, Y I G A L. And I also have a download at unlocktheleader.com that will go over the 10 keys that we use to be able to unlock someone's leadership, regardless of what situation that they're going through. So if you go to www.unlocktheleader.com, go ahead and download that. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing with everybody. I, I, I love your heart and your spirit, man, and blessings to you. And uh, thanks for showing up.
Likewise, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. You bet. And folks, all those links are going to be in the show notes here. If you didn't catch them on the fly, they will be in the in the um, detail of the show. And I do want to remind everybody, if you're listening on your favorite audio channel, this is also available in video over on YouTube by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We've got a lot of things happening here in the studio, and uh, literally now I can say around the world, the show is being syndicated. We're now being broadcast in 185 countries, so um, if you can't catch us through your normal channels, you can check us out online at IBGR, the initials IBGR.network is the link to uh, find this show. And and this one is uh, featured on Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we've got a time slot there that's recurring and repetitive. So if you haven't caught us any other way, check it out over there. Look forward to seeing everybody. And by the way, if, if you find us anywhere on social media, drop us a note, leave a comment, give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you feel. Um, heck, we've already said it a couple times in this show. I'm not perfect. The show's not perfect. But uh, if you've got an idea and some feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know uh, what we can do to serve you better, uh, give you some more information. It's, um, there's a world full of really talented people like Egal out there that I've had the privilege to meet and get to know. And it's really exciting to be able to do this and share it with you. So I'm going to say thank you to everybody for listening in and being a part of this show. And for now, we're going to say goodbye. Have a great rest of your day. Talk soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com. I feel like I need a glass of wine or something. I love your backdrop there. Let's I mean, do it. I, it, it, it. I feel like a bistro or something. I need to... <laughs> I need to get my uh, jug of wine opened up. I, um, I don't mind whatsoever if you drink while we podcast. No, no, no. I'm kidding. It's <laughs> it's too early in my day. I still have a lot to do. <laughs> but anyway...